Behold. Children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. This is the word of the Lord. Most commentators believe that this psalm, this short psalm, Psalm 127, which we just read one verse of, was written by Solomon. Solomon, David's King David's son. And the beginning of this psalm is something that many of you are familiar with. Verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, anybody know what it says? Labor in vain. So the overall proposition, the overall point that Solomon is making here is that the success of all of our undertakings in life entirely depend upon God's blessing. I'll say it again. The main point of this psalm, of which this is one verse, is this, that the success of all of our undertakings entirely depends upon God's blessing. That means, that it doesn't mean that we shouldn't work at the things God has called us to do. It means we should do the best we can with what we have, remembering, though, that everything we do, the blessing of it comes from the Lord. It's dependent upon the Lord. We should do, as people, as Christians, excellent work, whatever we do, We should do it excellently, but trust the results to Jesus. That's the theme that Paul echoed in the famous verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31. He wrote to the church in Corinth and he said, whatever you do, even when you're eating and you're drinking, you should do it, what church? For the glory of God. How's this connect to kids? How's this connect to parenting? Oh, there's some important connections. We as parents should make every effort in the undertaking of parenting to do the best we can, remembering that the whole thing depends on God's blessing. We should make every effort as parents in the large consuming undertaking that parenting is to do the best job we can as parents. Not a perfect job. None of you can do that. I don't care what your Instagram post looks like. We should make every effort in our undertaking as parents to do the best we can, but our efforts are motivated by this confidence that we have in God's grace. Now, a word. A word to those present, and I know you're here. I see your faces. A word to those present who are dealing with the unmet desire for children. 
may be dealing with infertility. You long for children. And a Sunday like this, while exciting for most of us, is one in which you feel real pain. I know, pe- I know there's people that probably didn't show up today because they knew we were dedicating 21 children. And that's painful. And there's this deep longing in your hearts for this good reward that the Scripture speaks about. And it's hard to trust God with your desires. It's hard to trust God with your good desires. It's hard to trust God in the wanting and in the waiting. And what I want you to know as we, as we speak this word of truth and as we gather together dedicating these children to the service of the Lord, God sees you, God knows you, and God loves you. We see you, we know you, and we love you. And we'll make every effort as a church, we should make every effort as a church to carry your burden with you, to weep with those who weep. Here's a truth reminder for us all, especially those that are experiencing that wanting and that waiting. God is sovereign. That means that he rules and reigns Overall, God is good. That means He's good. <laughs> so that when we can't trace God's hand, we must trust His heart. When we can't trace, when we look at our circumstances and we say, God, where are you? I can't trace. Your hand, we call to mind God's loving heart. I love how Tim Keller says this about prayer. God will either give us what we ask in prayer or he'll give us what we would have asked for if we knew what he did. God will either give you what you ask for in prayer or he will give you what you would have asked for if you knew what he did. So let me just make three points from this psalm on a, that are basically a description of children, metaphors for children. We see it right here in verse 3. Children are a heritage. Children are fruit, described as fruit. And children are described as a reward. So let's just look at those three things briefly. Heritage. What is a heritage? Another word for heritage is inheritance. Inheritance. So let me, let me ask some of the kids out there. I, lo- I love this. I hope some of them will answer. What is an inheritance? If you're a kid sitting there and you have an idea of what an inheritance is, just shout it out. What's an inheritance? Some of you trying, I see. Money. Now that's, that's a kid who's shrewd to the way the world works. He's not far off the mark, right? Money. Inheritance. What the scripture is saying is that children, like all of God's graces, all of his grace, are a gift from the Lord. An inheritance. But we usually think 
of an inheritance as something that you get when someone dies. So in what way are children an inheritance? Wouldn't life be great if you could get your inheritance now without your parents having to die first? Hey, pops, let me get, let me get what you're planning on giving me now. And he might say, well, I'm still using it. Right? So, so what is this? It's this, how, how does this work? How can children be an inheritance? What does this mean? What God is getting at here is that children are a gift to us. You know, one of the ways that I see that our culture is really twisted, and I know I'm going to offend some people right now. I'm going to offend some pet lovers. I know it. You're going to, yeah, cover your ears if you're a pet lover. And listen, I'm not a pet hater. But one of the ways in which I do think and I see that our culture is twisted, and I've, I've read some research on this, there used to be such a thing as children's clothing shops and, and stores devoted to selling things for children. Research shows, you can go do some research on this, that children's stores are closing rapidly, but guess what's popping up in their place? Pet stores everywhere. And I'm not dissing dogs or dog owners. I've been a dog owner. I paid my dues. And maybe I'm one of these like OG dog owners, like, 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 like the original dog owners that treated dogs like dogs. We grew up with dogs. My dad had hunting dogs and we treated them well, but they ain't wearing no Halloween costumes. I was in the city. I was in the city of Philadelphia the other night, spending some time with uh, my family and my daughter for her birthday. And we were walking through Fishtown. And guys, I passed, like just on a, like, a few block walk, I passed all these pet stores. Pet stores everywhere. Big stores. I'm not talking like Petco. I'm just talking like a, a private store devoted to nothing but making dog muffins and dog biscuits. Dog clothing, dog treats, Dog beds, dog biscuits, dog toothbrushes, dog breath mints. You can get whatever you need there. And this is all I'm trying to say. A dog may be man's best friend, but children are a gift from the Lord. A blessing from the Lord. And one reason... It's one reason why we're unapologetically pro-life here at Brandywine Grace is because God's word tells us that children are a heritage from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Parenting is hard. Parenting's hard. Some of you are having a hard time right now. Sometimes you feel like you're not really good at it. Some of you are having this experience right now. How could their kids be so quiet during the dedication and mine be crying? The one day that you get to be dedicated. Parenting's hard. You don't get to pick and choose your picture moment. 
I have this feeling sometimes, and I know you do too, sometimes I feel like I'm killing it in life. Parenting is God's way of humbling me. <laughs> parenting is a, is a way to keep us humble, isn't it? Because there's nothing like parenting to remind you of your need for grace. There's nothing like parenting to remind you of your need for the gospel. The gospel, and when I talk about the gospel, I'm talking about all that God has done in Jesus to save us. I'm not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those writings contain the gospel, but the gospel is all about what God has done in Jesus to save sinners. The gospel reminds us that God has given us all we need for salvation and to live joyfully following him. And it reminds us, the gospel reminds us that he'll give us all that we need to do the best we can as parents. Amen? If God will give us children, which he says are heritage from him, an inheritance from him, a gift from him, if God will give us the children, he will make provision for them. Having done the greater, which is giving us the children, he will do the less, which is provide for you to parent them. So that's some thoughts on this idea of children being a heritage. How about fruit? Kids, what is a fruit? A banana. Good. A banana. It's a fruit. J. Russ preached on the grace of God last week, even in the consequences of our sin, as we were looking at the consequences of the fall in Genesis 3. And he talked about one of the... One of the uh, consequences of the fall, specifically for women, being pain in childbirth. And he humorously said that he knew it was painful, but not from firsthand experience. I can say the same. I've observed the pain of childbirth, and I've never endured it, but I have had a kidney stone. And even some women have told me that that bout ranks. So I feel like I can relate in some way. But what was the point he was making? He was making that there's this pain in childbirth, but then the birth of the child comes and you hold the child. And there's this, the joy that comes from having a child displaces, doesn't erase. <laughs> but it, 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 it puts in perspective the pain that was endured in order to bring the child into the world. So children are the, a, a fruit in this way. But can I say this? That sometimes kids don't feel like a reward. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to say all the right things here, but you've got to be honest too, Right? You know, let me just tell the kids, too, that sometimes you don't feel like a reward. Sometimes kids feel like a curse. I mean, I, I've got great kids. I'm looking at one of them right now. I've got four kids we've, we've raised. The last one's in, just started her freshman year of college, and they are awesome kids. But there were times in, in our lives where I felt like the devil was in one of those kids. 
Like, I, I thought I was in a scene of the exorcist. You know, heads were going to start spinning and stuff. Because sometimes kids are hard. Sometimes parenting is painful. But God wants to remind us this morning that your child is a gift from him to you. God hand-delivered your kids to you. So here's a point of application I want to encourage everybody towards. It doesn't matter if your kids are 50 years old. Try to look your kids in the eyes this week and tell them what you see right here in this scripture. You are God's gift to me. You are God's gift to me. Text them this week. Or actually, let's hold the texting off. Let me give you some other ways before texting because everybody going to text. Let's go old-fashioned. Let's like look someone in the eyes and tell them. Or how about this one? The archaic idea of actually handwriting a note. And tell them, you're God's gift to me. If you can't do that, text them. You are God's gift to me. There ought to be hundreds, hundreds, maybe even a thousand correspondences happening this week where parents are communicating that you are God's gift to me. Or what if, they're, what if they're not walking with the Lord? Does that make them not God's gift to you? What if they were conceived in sin? They're still God's gift to us. What if we're in conflict with them? They remain God's gift to us. And maybe, just maybe, your communication of that truth to their hearts might be just what God would use to begin to break into a relationship that has been cold and distant for a long time. Children are fruit. Last thing. Children are reward. Scripture says... The fruit of the womb, a reward. So kids, what's a reward? Wait, let's shout it out because I'm not hearing you guys. What's a reward? What is it? I'm having a hard time hearing them. Somebody tell me what they said. A gift. All right, it's like a gift. A reward. How are kids a reward? Kids are a reward of God's love and kindness to parents. He's given you a reward. It's a reward. It's a demonstration of God's love and kindness to you. Famous Chinese proverb. When a child is born into a family, a bow and arrow are hung before the gate. Men and women live their lives over again in their children, and in their grandchildren. So living as if your kids are reward, what could that look like? What might that look like? If you, if you lived as a parent 
with this recognition that God says your kids are a reward. Well, it's spending time with them. And people talk about time spent. There's this whole, whole debate, right, over quantity versus quality. And I get what it is. I get the idea that, yeah, there needs to be quality time. And quality time, if you, if you have some really good quality time, and you just have a, a lot of bad quantity time, that, yeah, if you describe it that way, quality's better. But I've come to learn that there needs to be a certain quantity of time that the quality is the fruit of. Does that make sense? So you, you've got to spend a certain amount of time with your kids in order to bear the fruit of quality time. And this is where I'm, I want to make my in-laws uncomfortable for a moment. They're sitting down in the commons, I think, because I don't see them in their normal seats. I'm going to make them uncomfortable in a good way. How do you live as if your kids are a reward? How do you live as, as if your grandkids are a reward? You spend time with them. So we started a practice when Don and Allie moved up here. We started doing something we call weekly family dinner. We do it almost without interruption every Sunday night. We're all together. We, even if it's just for a, period, a short period of time. And, you know, schedules are busy. We're a busy family. But we try, whoever's present, we try to gather together for a weekly family dinner. The cumulative effect of that, guys over a six, seven-year period, is huge. And my in-laws are not necessarily sports people. They're not necessarily art music people. But when one of their grandkids, one of my kids, had a concert or an athletic game, they were there, cheerfully supporting. I've observed them drive hours to watch an orchestra concert from high in the seats, a child play the violin that they couldn't even see. I've seen Allie sit in the freezing cold, wrapped in blankets, watching a game she was trying to understand football game, lacrosse game, to cheer her grandsons on. They've sat in seemingly eternal swim meets. Swimmers, I'm looking at you. Those meets seem eternal. I've seen them sat in seemingly eternal swim meets to cheer for one minute while a granddaughter swam the 100-meter fly. I've seen even when they couldn't attend a game, DK come home late from some responsibility and watch the entire replay of a college lacrosse game so that he could text his grandson and tell him that he's proud of them. So here's the question. Do you think that's making a difference? You think that makes a difference? Do you think that that kind of encouragement and support builds a kid's confidence and their self-esteem? 
Do you think that that kind of devotion models Christ's love and service and selflessness? God says it does. And I encourage you, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent, to be like them. Let me conclude with a thought. You guys still with me? Let me conclude with a thought on how to build emotionally healthy relationships with our kids. So this is just a thought for parents. Pete Scazzaro, I think I'm saying his name right, he has a simple but powerful framework that he uses for building relationships. And so what I'm going to do is, is use some of his, his teaching and apply it specifically to parenting. And to build a healthy, emotionally healthy relationship with our kids, which should be the desire of every parent in here, and I believe it probably is, to do that, we have to deal with these expectations that we have for our kids, and we have to deal with the idea that our expectations can sometimes go wrong. So in his book, he talks about unconscious expectations. What's an unconscious expectation? You didn't know you had an expectation until it was violated. This is important for parents to recognize these things. He talks about unrealistic expectations. What's that? Well, it's, a, it's an expectation that you have that's not reasonable given the person or the circumstances. Unspoken expectations. What's that? It's, it's that you didn't clearly articulate your expectation to your kid. And then there's these unagreed upon expectations. What's that? That's, that's that the kid never agreed to follow through on your expectation. And this shows up in our parenting, guys. It shows up in our parenting because we can live from our past, our own vision, our own desires without our kids ever understanding where the pressure they feel is coming from. So do this. Clarify your expectations with your kids. If you're feeling some pressure as a parent right now, if you're feeling some disappointment as a parent, it may be helpful to do an expectation audit. Audit your expectations. Are they unconscious? Are they unrealistic? Are they unspoken? Are they unagreed upon? That's the parenting takeaway. It's a good assignment, and it'll bear good fruit in your life if you do it. Now, we just ded dedicated all these kids, and kids, families, you're doing a great job. If we're going to build a gospel culture around here. And we, you hear us using that language all the time. It's building a gospel culture, a culture of worship, a culture centered around Jesus and all that he's done to save us. A culture based, rooted in, and grounded in grace. If we're going to do that, then we're going to be pro-kids around here. If we're going to do that, we're going to be pro-life. If we're going to do that, we're going to value the next generation. 
That's why we do things like allowing the youth band to lead, to participate in leading us in worship on a Sunday morning because we want the teens of this church to, to feel like this is their church too. The other, a couple weeks ago, we baptized some people. I love those days. It was such an exciting time for us as a church. A couple of them were teenagers. Why baptize teenagers? Because they've made a commitment to follow Jesus. And we want to celebrate that. And we want to encourage them in that. A gospel culture is where every generation of this church feels like this is my church. Teens, not waiting on the sidelines for an opportunity to get into the game. Waiting around here so long to get into the game that you got to go find another church that will let you do that. We want the next generation to view this church as a place where they can make an impact right here, right now. Amen?